Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 141. So, okay, the lottery for the dub dub tickets, uh, did that go out after we released? The announcement, yeah, came was after we, well, it was after we recorded last time. I don't know if it was after we released. Okay. Yeah, the announcement yeah. was after we recorded before we released. Okay. Yeah, and then the uh, ticket sales closed and were drawn in the meantime. So now we know what happened. We don't have any of the speculation that we had in previous years. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> yeah. If only we could, like, release back in time. It'd be awesome. So you guys going to Dub Dub? <laughs> Not this year. Yeah, I did get a ticket. Uh, the previous four years, I I was passed over, but this year I finally got in. One in five is not bad. So I guess I'm going. <laughs> you guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Now I've got my hotel and flight booked already. Um, it's kind of surprised people were getting the rejection emails that same day. Seems like in past uh, lotteries. There was a little bit of a buffer for people who weren't able to pay or or whatever the circumstances may have been. Uh, but nowadays, they you have, have card to have file. a valid card on file. And I think they take that day to get the payment all sorted out. And then towards the evening time, then it's all rejections out. I remember one year I had a little bit of an issue with my bank authorizing the payment. Yeah. I think I spent like an hour on the phone with the Apple reps and my bank people. It was just a mess, but everything was there. I had the ticket, and I think as long as the payment and everything would have went through within a day or two, it would have been fine, which it did. So I don't think there's a whole lot of room for second chance errors these days. Yeah. Uh, they also opened up the applications for the scholarship program for students and STEM programs. So uh, there's still some opportunity for for those who qualify to to apply for that. And they cover, I believe, they cover the ticket, lodging, and you can also apply for financial assistance for travel. And was your son? Still gonna try that, Alex? Or are you you not sure about that? I'm I'm still encouraging him. He's he's working on it. We'll see how the next few days go. Uh, the I believe the applications are due uh, within a few days from when this podcast airs. Forget the exact date. So that's pretty quick then. Within this week, it has to be done. Is that it? Yeah. The, you have to do an app, right? So the app has it's to be a, finished? or It's a playground this year. And oh. a, it was a playground last year as well. Uh, let's see. Um, and there's a few different uh, requirements. You've got to provide some additional information with your application, and you optionally can include a resume if you're over 18. Uh, but hmm. submissions opened on the 26th, 
deadline is Sunday, April 1st, and then uh, decisions are finalized on April 20th. So a little longer turnaround, but they have to review the applications. Right. That's cool. Check them for piracy, maybe. You never know. People, these kids these days are able to find so much code and stuff on the internet. Yeah. Well, a lot of past uh, applicants have put their playgrounds and applications on GitHub for, you know, just kind of sharing uh, the information with everyone. Yeah. So you can see past examples, but I don't know how... I don't know how thorough the judging is. So going back to the, the, if we're going though, Sam, you said you're not going. Did you apply? I no, I didn't even apply this year. I'm in a little bit of a, like a disillusionment trough there with the conferences right now. Okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Well, I'm kind yeah. of bummed because I just found out as we started recording the podcast that uh, we had some family who's going to be in town the week of dub dub so i didn't put my name in and it looks like they're coming the week after dub dub now so they've changed the dates so i wish i would have put my name in now i'm i'm really contemplating what i'm going to do well you do have altconf and layers which you've been to altconf before right i've been to altconf uh there's also next door which i don't know is that put on by the uh the coco conf people maybe i'm not sure i received the email yeah but i'm not sure who's organizing it i might have to check into that one um but i mean going to dub dub you know there's the labs and stuff like that uh those are those are kind of useful but the networking can be pretty useful too i feel like that's a otherwise you know just watch the videos at home uh so I'm I'm contemplating. I'm looking into those conferences. A question for you though, Sam, because you went last year in San Jose, right? So can you talk about like San Jose as a conference venue? Like, is it is it good? Is it okay? Is it horrible? Uh, well the the convention center is fine. It the facilities were good. Yeah, it wasn't there weren't like extreme long bathroom lines or. At least not anything out of the ordinary for Dub Dub. Um, the food was still the same vendor as at Moscone, so I don't know how that arrangement works. If it's just the same company at both both convention centers, or or what the deal is, but it was largely the same. It, for conference attendees, Apple did sponsor more off-site events during the evenings, and. So what do you mean by sponsor? Uh, so they held, there's a, there's kind of an open air marketplace where it's really just a whole bunch of uh, different food vendors and they don't. But, but is this, is this like uh you have to have a dub dub ticket or is it just like, oh, Apple organized this thing or is like adding it to their list? Cause I know last time I went to dub dub two years ago, I went, I just went to AltConf mainly and there is a lot of like Apple sanctioned events, like they put them on the Dub Dub website, but they were you know third party people. Uh, yeah. So, is it like that, or is it like a this is an Apple one I'm, Dub yeah, Dub the one I'm only speaking event. about? I think was only for attendees. It was just 
Apple thing where they kind okay. of closed off that venue. But it was not made for you know thousands of people. So Okay. It, I I think I walked by it and said, No, I'm not gonna deal with that. Um and it's kind of largely the issue with a lot of this stuff around there. You know, there's some small restaurants, some bars and stuff, but really the the downtown San Jose area is not exactly vibrant. It's nowhere near what San Francisco is like. And San Francisco has no problem absorbing a conference of 5,000 people, whereas I think 5,000 people probably multiplies by 5x the number of people in downtown San Jose during the evening. Interesting. So I have some I have some research to do to figure out what I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, do now. I, I mean, it doesn't stop Man. all the the parties and stuff. The vendor sponsored parties they're they're still there. Well, there's other there's other non Apple events yeah. too. I mean, all those other conferences kind of have stuff going on, and they're more kind of like, especially all conference like you don't need a ticket. Just come if you want to, and if not, then right. Whatever. Oh, a nice thing for yeah. actual dub dub attendees is that. There's just a, a bridge that you can walk across from the DubDub convention right over to AltConf. There's even signs on the door with their logo. And you just see it. There's some uh, security guards there. But as long as you have your badge, you can walk back in the same way you walked out to the to AltConf. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of convenient. So if you're, if you have downtime as, or you're between sessions that you're interested in you can pop over to altcom for a little bit without even really stepping outside maybe on thursday or something i can borrow someone who shares my first name's badge or something <laughs> like that <laughs> if i need to go to yeah, a lab I don't think or that even matters the first name or not yeah they don't check <laughs> i probably want to have some kind of anglo yeah. name but other than that <laughs> So yeah, I'll have to I'll have to look into things. Maybe I'll have to head out to San Jose. Although you guys already booked up all the hotels, so maybe I'll get myself an Airbnb <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, you can stay by the airport and just uh, take the train in. The, the train goes right by the convention center. Actually, I didn't do that, but other people I well, did. Well, interesting. I'll look into stuff. So uh, one thing that I noticed was interesting when the dub dub stuff got announced and i think alex you may have pointed out in our slack is that they had a checkbox when you signed up to ask if you wanted child care that's a new thing right it's the first year i've seen it um they might have had it last year but uh looks like if anybody who needs child care for kids under eight it's free um and you know i guess probably trying to be more inclusive uh which is a good thing it's just under eight, or is it eight? Because no, uh, <laughs> my oldest is eight on the dot. I'm just, I think just it might thinking be here, eight you know. And under. Let's see. Eight and Child under. Care. Eight okay. years old or younger. There you yeah. go. Well, not that I have yeah. a ticket. So yeah, it wouldn't. Gonna, yeah. If I would have had a ticket, <laughs> just go there for the child free child care. My, my my whole my whole family could have gone, and I could have left the kids in child care. My wife could have like taken the train into San Francisco and explored. <laughs> Well, next year you oh, can well. go. You just have to have your oldest like uh, slouch a little bit so he doesn't look like he's nine. <laughs> it's like you do at the, at the restaurants when you want to get the kids' meal for for cheap. 
don't know what you're talking <laughs> about, Sam. <laughs> well, my kids always look older than they were. So. so yeah, I think that's pretty cool that they're they're providing that childcare thing. It's a it's a nice nice gesture. Hopefully that helps diversify the uh, the crew at, at Dub Dub this year. So one other thing I think we were talking about a little bit before we started recording was they sent out that that invite uh, with like these three D kind of translucent rendered widget looking things kind of like at a weird angle you guys you guys make anything of that any ideas if that means anything the common in our office was the uh the return of the aqua interface <laughs> new lickable apps <laughs> yeah i mean i guess you could read in that they are gonna have a new design language again but I think when they did that with iOS 7, they were really kind of seeding the, the blogosphere with the ideas that the iOS 6 interface is old and outdated. Well, I, I think to some degree it was the the technical limitations of the skeuomorphic designs and needing to be more adaptable. And this year it could be if they are indeed going to support iOS apps on the Mac, I believe Argo may have said it in a previous episode, but we might see a little bit of a merging of the UI language uh, between macOS and iOS. Yeah, part of me wonders if that Project Marzipan thing, is it really just like iOS stuff on the Mac, or is it kind of like a whole new unified set of UI stuff for both platforms that maybe you're more responsive or something like that. I think if if you think about Apple's past large-scale initiatives like that, it was more of a roadmap and setting the foundation. So if they are going to go to more of a unification, it's probably not going to happen all at once. It'll probably be something they, they'll set set off at at this year's dub dub and then you know over the next three years we'll see it converge yeah i mean if it's anything like like some of their last like big ui changes like like i remember uh on on mac os which was called mac os 10 at the time when they announced resolution independence that was like mac os 10.2 i think they they first added the feature code wise and they didn't actually like ship their own stuff that way for another like six or seven years so i wonder if it is like this all-encompassing thing all-encompassing thing if there's like like a preview that ships but it's not i mean we we keep hearing about oh apple's not you know they're 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 doing a snow leopard style like bug fix release but there's all these big features that we keep hearing about so do you think they would give us stuff ahead of time saying this is coming out sometime in the future? It's not ready now. You can't ship it on iOS 12, but here it is, or? I don't think it's going to be a preview necessarily, but I I think there'll be hints of what's coming, but not necessarily this is this is where we're going. I mean, even with iOS 7, I feel like, they they kind of tore a lot of times when Apple does with this apps they tore it down 
tore the OS down and kind of started from scratch. And a lot of the stuff was really rough with, with iOS 7 when it came out. Things were really buggy. They were simple. People didn't want to know what to do with all this, like, plain old, like, just white interfaces all over the place. But, yeah, I still don't get how that meshes with, uh, this is just a bug fist year message that they seem to be putting out. Well, they've said that in previous years. I I don't necessarily... If that's all it was, we wouldn't be going to the conference. <laughs> there wouldn't be a conference to go to. I mean, there's got to be something new, something uh, to, to have sessions about. It's not going to be like, well, we didn't really do anything this past year, so we're just going to do a repeat of last year's dub-dub. Right, I'm sure there'll be... be... one single track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that... I and... mean, there's going to be the new... What's new in Cocoa Touch and game development? Every, I mean, there's going to be 30 of those sessions probably that they have every year, and it's look yeah. at this API we tweaked or whatever. Or it could be here's how to have an app that works on the Mac and iOS, and here's how to integrate with the the menu bar on the Mac, or um, you know, there's potentially a decent number of of things they could talk about without necessarily having new frameworks. So, well, so are you are you thinking that the the gist of this this stuff that we're we've been hearing rumors of for a while, like the iOS stuff on Mac, is really just UI Kit on Mac, and maybe they you know updated UI Kit a little bit, but that's really all it is. In which case, I could see some of that stuff shipping this year, but if it's a whole new thing that looks anything yeah. like that screenshot it seems like there's no way oh yeah i don't are you're talking about the image and the invitation yes yes no i, I honestly my my thought on on that image it's more about ar kit and 3d rendering and less about the ui even though there are switches and various other ui components there but that's that's what I read into the invitation. But I expect to see probably more than anything just if they are going to do the marzipan, it's going to be more like Android apps on the Chromebook. And eventually we'll see it converge a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll see Apple's version of instant apps. Yeah, so maybe we just start off with like resizable iOS apps on, on Mac OS or something like that. Yeah, and with some integration with the menu bar and maybe a little bit more, um, I guess you can already integrate with keyboard and mouse, but there might be a few other things that will have to be taken into consideration. Yeah, that's all I can okay. I can figure. I'm kind of curious <laughs> to see what they come up with. Uh, we could see new gestures on the Mac, um, you know, with the touchpad. Yeah, I'm listening to touchscreen for that, though, and I can't imagine we're going to get a... no. Touchscreen oh, Mac. No. Not likely. I no, but how often do you find yourself reaching to touch the screen of your Mac after having like been using your iPad or something for a while? I kind of feel like they'd be more likely, and I think other people have said this before, to like, that. you know, you've heard about the ARM Mac that's been around for for years. If they... If they make UIKit available more on, like, extend it so that it can work on macOS, like, 
what if there's a laptop that runs iOS? I see that kind of more likely than a touchscreen Mac. Oh, that it's quite possible that that'll be announced um, before this episode airs. I <laughs> really doubt that. Announcement. Yeah. Well, I... speaking of which, so we're recording Monday uh, night, right before the education event in Chicago. Um, so we don't know what they're talking yeah. about. You're listening to this, and you do know, so <laughs> you can laugh at how stupid we all are. But we're expecting that there's some new cheap iPad or something like that, and who knows what else. It'll be the E-pad. You know, like the iMac. We had the E-Mac way back. That was the educational version of the iMac. We're going to have the E-pad. You, hear, you heard it here first. And by <laughs> first, I mean... Well, this actually may be the first time you heard of it, because I don't think that's happening. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I could definitely see where that could come from. You know, if Chromebooks continue to dominate education you know fewer and fewer ipads are rolling out i you know from the teachers i've talked to ipads are great for the younger kids but as they get older uh the chromebooks are definitely much more popular or much more functional because of the keyboard if nothing else yeah and oddly enough today right before the event google announced their first tablet that runs chrome os uh, so it, it can run Android apps like Chrome OS can. I don't know how many people take advantage of that, but, uh, yeah, that's a thing now. So it's as if to like head Apple off kind of, this kind of reminds me of like when the iPad came out and all the PC companies announced their slates and all that stuff. Everyone's trying to get ahead of whatever Apple has up their sleeve. So maybe they have something that'll surprise us tomorrow. We'll have to, we'll have to see. But I feel like they would like use their cool new theater and all that stuff and Cupertino to announce yeah. something if it was cool like that. Whereas it's like at a high school in Chicago, and I guess they've been working on like building a stage out front and stuff like that. So who knows what'll happen? But some education-related thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, I just don't picture them announcing something uh, significant to a consumer. In a venue that couldn't be live streamed anymore. So whatever they do announce, I think will be cool, but definitely smaller and much more targeted towards education than than consumers, even though we as consumers might be somewhat interested in it. Yeah. So I think we'll probably spare everyone else the details of us predicting something that they know exactly what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds good. like a good idea. Yeah. I guess another thing that's come out recently is uh, Flutter along with Dart 2.0, Google's new like cross-platform mobile framework. You guys looked into that at all? I watched a couple of sessions from Google I.O. or maybe just one session from Google I.O. last year. Um, it looked interesting, but I... I don't know. I'm little hesitant to adopt a technology that doesn't isn't clear if Google is going to continue to support. And I, I don't know. We've been burnt by cross-platform solutions in the past. Well, I can say this about Dart. Yeah, it's it's uh better than JavaScript. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I <laughs> want to say it's I'm trying to find the right word for it, but it's got. A, a lot of heart, I guess, because 
this was the language that was supposed to replace JavaScript. And or maybe it's more like a zombie language in a lot of ways, but it was supposed to replace JavaScript and everybody thought, yeah, it would once Chrome started running it natively, which never did happen for a long time. And you could transpile into JavaScript, which was just horrible, like any other, like most of the other transpiled languages. And then Chrome came out and said, no, we're not going to do that. And then it basically put a knife in the back of uh, Dart. And Dart kind of lingered on the server side a little bit, but mostly as a Google technology and really only ever adopted in Google land. And now we've got Dart 2.0 and it's like they're trying to resurrect this thing and put it into all different kinds of places. But one of the nice things at least is that on iOS it's AOT compiled. So it's ahead of time compiled. So it's not really an interpreted language. So it's got that going for it, but well, and if you're it, building cross-platform apps with it, it's it's actually like native stuff you're building. They're just not your standard UI kit widgets. They're custom material, yeah, like the material widgets that you see on like all of Google's apps. So right. So if you want to build a cross-platform app that looks like an Android app and is still native on iOS, you can do that with Dart. 2.0 and Flutter. Yeah, I feel like it's better than a cross-platform web app. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, Google, or Google, Android and iOS, you know, are continue to kind of converge in terms of, you know, what UI paradigms are kind of winning out, especially, like, navigation-wise. Uh, but, yeah, I, I still don't think it's how, like, a top-quality, top-tier, like, consumer app should be built uh if you're if you're making an app on ios and android you you want to use the native toolkits but i i'm sure there'll still be that allure for some people for you know this right once run multiple places solution and people will try it but yeah i don't think i would want to invest in it either like like you guys are saying I'd be curious to learn how well it, it fits in with the Android ecosystem because <laughs> classically, that's always been a, a sticking point for these cross-platform toolkits. They they do well on iOS as far as their integrations and and how they run, but when they get to Android, it's it's a different beast in, in a lot of ways, and they don't always stand up so well. React Native, a lot of people say, works really well on iOS, but when you take it over to Android, it's kind of dicey. And it's not because it's using a web view or anything, it's just the way Android works. It's kind of built for this one certain uh, usage method. So I don't know, I'd, I'd be curious to see how it actually works on Android. Yeah, I mean, it seems, it seems like Google has a, a lot of people working on this this framework well it's also supposed to be uh like the ui layer of their new mobile operating system that they've been working on called i think it's project fuchsia that this is this is the code name that's supposed to replace android it's not a linux kernel and it's their own thing from the ground up and the flutter and dart i believe is supposed to be the 
the UI layer of this. So, so, so funny, uh, funny bit of trivia here, but I found out I have a Flutter app on my installed on my phone right now. <laughs> the uh, the app for the musical Hamilton is built with Flutter. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's actually not a bad app. They actually just updated it, so I'm guessing this is whatever the latest is. But I mean, it, it performs. But, it is. It's not an app that feels like like a cross cross platform or even like a one of those, especially those web apps. It feels like a native app, and it it looks good. It, I mean, it does not look like it's using navigation bars or you know like stock UI kit stuff but it doesn't look bad isn't it like what an app would look like if it was to come out of a marketing agency or something so i would say the the old version was but they just updated it recently it kind of has like a a card layout style thing it reminds me a lot of like android card layout type stuff but yeah i mean i my personal opinion is it's not bad i mean like i said it's not it's not the end all be all you're not your next big you know Unicorn is not going to be a Flutter app, but it's not bad. Yeah, I I feel like you'd have to maybe work kind of hard to not make it look like an Android app if you're working on iOS. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you don't have a tab bar and you don't have a navigation controller and you have a if for for like simple apps that aren't like super complicated and you don't need all the navigation complexity, I, I think it doesn't look like it's not an iOS app or specifically an Android app but like I said it's not like it's not yeah. like a Snapchat or a Instagram or some big you know super popular iOS app I think it I feel like I like it better than the na- the Twitter Twitter's native app <laughs> on iOS which I don't know if that's really saying much but man eh, it'll be interesting to watch flutter and see how it moves forward yeah i mean it, it may hit mainstream it feels like react native is starting to hit mainstream these days maybe maybe in like the lower end of the market but I see actual job postings for people that know react native yeah the question for me is like would i rather have an app that's writ- written in flutter or react native <laughs> and what i and the other question i have is would i rather work on one if i had to work on a cross-platform app <laughs> uh, i i could say i think i would rather work on flutter than i would on react native not having written hardly any of either but there's the whole javascript thing and plus i feel like with flutter you're probably not going to be bringing in you know 500 dependencies just by starting off a new project yeah, I mean, I guess Flutter was inspired by React, they say. So it's probably it fairly similar that, yeah. from a design perspective. I I would guess the the language stuff, especially since since you love JavaScript so much, you would prefer Flutter. <laughs> yeah, I did program some Dart for a little bit. I explored it for a while, and it's yeah, it's not a bad language. It's not a great language. It's it's just kind of a language. It's in a lot of ways, it's JavaScript without some of the the pointy edges, and but it's not anything kind of cutting edge, you know, like where Swift or Kotlin 
is doing some interesting things. And really, I don't even say that Kotlin is super cutting edge. It's got some good features, but I feel like Swift is probably pushing the boundaries of any mainstream language these days. Uh, and Rust as well. But it's arguably, you can argue how mainstream Rust is at this point. I would argue not as much as Swift. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I don't, I don't know. It ranks up pretty high in like the Stack Overflow surveys. But I imagine there's more people getting paid to write Swift than there are getting paid to write Rust. That, that's probably a fair assessment. Maybe there's just more people with questions about Rust. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's, that's the whole survey that they put out recently. Oh, yeah, like the yearly survey usages. they do. Gotcha. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe next Rusty. year I'll add Rust to my to-learn list. <laughs> yeah, I want to really badly. I just Some other things kind of crept up in the way, like Kotlin, Go, server-side programming was uh, much more mature in Go than it was in Rust when I was picking up when I was looking for a server-side language that wasn't Java or JavaScript. So, yeah, I I picked up Go. It's got its quirks and interesting pieces, but overall it's it's pleasant to program in. Rust, I hear, has got a steep learning curve. The whole uh, memory model that it uses, it doesn't use a arc or garbage collection. It has a concept of uh, memory ownership, and if you want to pass a variable off to something you have to let it kind of like borrow that variable so it has this thing called a borrow checker to make sure that you're lending things out properly it almost sounds like a like a reference counter to me (laughs) sounds kind of arc like it's actually it's it's well it has probably the same a similar function but there's it's more uh performant as a word more um, more tuned to systems level languages yeah and things and actually a lot of the rust early rust developers are working on swift now at apple and so when you hear about swift trying to gain more performance and being more of a systems level language they're going to add some of the same features that are in rust like the the uh, memory uh me- the memory model that that rust uses for when you need that kind of performance. So, yeah, I don't know if it's just going to be one of those languages that's always kind of cool, but never really catches on, you know, like maybe small talk. In 20 years, the kids will all be trying out Rust as their little retro hipster thing to do. Yeah, it should be cool. Yeah. It's on my watch list. I'll say that. So, Argo, you shipped an app. I did. We're going to bring back the uh, app of the... The week feature for just one week this week. Uh, the app of the two weeks. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, we we shipped our solitaire app that we're working that we've been working on in Unity. Um, the other guys did a lot of the work, so by no means do I take any large part of the credit. But uh, we we shipped it. It's it's our it's a Unity app. It's our first Unity app. So we've shipped on iOS and Android within weeks of each other so that's kind of cool but yeah we're kind of in our kind of in like a soft launch phase so kind of our strategy is we're shipping the app making sure it's good we have luckily we have some apps that happen to have a similar user since they're all card game apps people who like 
one card game like other card games so we have some some pretty nice user base of, of free cross-promotional uh advertising so we've we've put it up in a couple of our apps uh kind of as like a hey check out this new app thing and gotten some users from that um and we were paying for some search ads so we're once we feel like the the app is fairly solid we we may spend a little more uh trying to promote it and stuff like that getting it higher yeah. higher ranked and stuff like that but so far it's going pretty well so when can i download it on steam uh right after <laughs> they announced that the mac pro with a touch display <laughs> so right after that <laughs> it'll be on steam <laughs> although don't, don't hold imagine. me to that <laughs> yeah. don't imagine it would be that hard to add the different you know mouse interactions that you have with the touch interface oh it wouldn't be hard to it, it's more about whether there's a market for it there really oh yeah right it's not yeah it's in unity so yeah we could ship it with with very you little we don't have the... we don't have much in the way of like keyboard support right now but that would not be that hard to to mm-hmm. add but yeah i mean you could put it on the xbox even right doesn't Unity support that? Yeah, as I well? mean, good. Right, <laughs> <laughs> good. Or VR. It would be kind of now. boring in VR the the way we have implemented now, but <laughs> <laughs> can't just like walk around your cards. There's already there's already some VR solitaire apps out there. Actually, yeah, that's a waste of batteries or electricity. Yeah, but I don't I don't really see there being a big market for a standalone card game. On VR, well, any there's not really a big market for anything on VR right now, honestly. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that changes. Ready Player One's coming out later this uh, this, later month, this month or this week, I guess. Yeah, it's the end of the week. So as you actually, if you're hearing this, Ready Player One is out, and I will have seen it. I think so. The and it, it's a fun little book. It's nothing super deep, but I've actually heard the decent reviews for the movie, which surprises me because normally books don't translate well and this one was basically just like, how much '80s nostalgia can we cram into you know a short little book? And I'm guessing the movie is going to be how much '80s nostalgia can we license and license and fit into one movie? <laughs> I know they've already switched some stuff out to uh, like licenses that Steven Spielberg directed the movie, so stuff that he has easier access to. But mm-hmm. hopefully, it's a good movie. I don't know if you guys have any interest in seeing it. I'm on the fence. Uh, the book is great. Uh, I'm just not sure <laughs> the movie will be good after the book. It's, I mean, it's hard for it ever to be as good as a book because even even in a like I said, it's a it's a quick fun read. So it's not like a it's not like some 600 page novel or anything like that. But even even within that, there's lots of stuff that would be hard to squeeze into a movie i think it's, it'll probably be a fun movie yeah and it's rated pg-13 so um definitely could be a family movie but y- your point is that you know vr plays a central role in that movie and the book so it might it inspire uh, an increased interest in 
VR it's, based applications. It's possible. I think I have seen some evidence of, of that of like VR sales going up. I don't know if you guys have been in stores, but uh, whatever studio is, I guess Universal or something maybe they are really pushing this movie because they've had like merch out for it for weeks. <laughs> But yeah, well, well, I guess we'll talk about how horrible the movie was probably next episode or something. Uh, but on that note, I think that's about all the time we have this week. So why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on the internet? And you can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And you can find me at Sam Corder. I'm at Alex Argo. And if you want to talk to us uh, about Ready Player One or if you're going to Dub Dub Meetup, there or whatever uh join our slack by going to chat.sharedinstance.com uh to get a slack invite and we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks